Welcome to another episode of Paranormal The New Normal. I, as always, am your host, Jeremy, here to make things in life seem a little more normal. I can't do too much in this world, but I try. And my guest this week, I am very happy to have. We set this up back in May, which was when I, when I saw the date and I was like, oh my God, but it, it works. I'm, we finally got you on and I'm happy about it. My guest is Parm Sagu. And did I say that right? Because I totally forgot to ask before we started. <laughs> Parm Sagu, yeah. You're good. You're good. I was, I was close. Parm is a, owns a business where she teaches yoga to millennials and everybody else who wants to try it to help them get their lives in order. But I'll let her get more on that in a second. But first things first, how you doing? T- how you doing today, Parm? I am great. Thank you so much for asking. It is such a beautiful day today. Yeah, it's a great day to have this conversation. I'm excited to see where it goes. Me too. And yeah, it is a it, compared to the last couple of days. It's a beautiful day today. So 100%. Yes, been nothing but rain and nastiness out here. I don't know about you, but <laughs> so. Why don't you tell them, first of all, what it is you do, actually, because you could put it in better words than I ever could. Absolutely. So I, as you mentioned, I do teach yoga. I teach yoga, breath work, and meditation. But through these mediums, I help people find purpose and inner peace. So the yoga that I teach is not like yoga that's on the market currently. Like in the you know mass market, yoga is just to be fit, to lose weight, to, to stretch and to exercise and do those things. But those are very surface level things. So following the theme of, of this podcast, um, the things that I teach are more, are, are much, much deeper, right? I teach the inner work. I help people do that inner work and release things, energetic blockages that they may have so that they can take those steps forward, right? I'm sure that you've heard that mindset is everything, but this is more than mindset, right? This is this is the science of consciousness. And that's what yoga is, right? In ancient days, yoga is this science of consciousness. I almost said was. Yoga was the science of consciousness, but it still is, right? It still is. That continuity is there. And so that's what I teach. I teach authentic yoga to help people find inner peace as well as purpose in life. Which that right there says it all. Evening, Waza. Good to have you watching. And I will say that, I mean, I myself have not done a day yoga in my life because I'm a bigger guy and bigger guys in yoga usually don't mix too well. We can't bend like that. But someday, maybe someday, maybe someone will drag me to it. <laughs> I've been I've been asked, but I'm just like, eh, but I don't. But I opening up the mindset and the all, all the inner yoga, I'm totally for that. Like that I can get with 100 percent. And I talk to a lot of psychics and mediums in my show as well. So I'm all about opening your mind and exploring what's possible, especially because as I've been told, and as I believe we're in the middle of a spiritual awakening the last five years or so, and more and more people are looking to open their minds to, I mean, COVID was a big part of it because people had nothing to do at home a lot of the time, but even without, even without that, people are still just trying to open their minds now and explore the world more and what they can are capable of. So. Do you agree there's a spiritual awakening going on? I'd like to ask everybody that question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many people who want something deeper, right? It's not just about making money and living that that life anymore, right? It's more about purpose and creating a life that actually resonates with you because 
while what we see in movies might be appealing to some people, like, again, it's very surface level, right? If you actually sit with yourself and ask yourself, like, is, will this really make me happy? The answer most likely is no, it's, it's not going to make you happy, right? There are other things that, that will. And then, you know, yoga, spirituality and spiritual awakening is about approaching that space and listening to yourself and learning what will make you happy. Exactly. And everybody should make, everybody should be as happy as they can be in their situation, whether they're, whether they're millionaires or whether they're like me and live paycheck to paycheck, they should try to be happy in every situation they're in. And the fact that you help people find that is just an amazing thing like that. You could actually help them get to that level. I mean, I like to think I do that in my podcast, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow my own horn there for like that. But so what do you recommend someone do to attain like an inner peace to find their peace? So this is a great question. It's a great segue into yoga philosophy. So I'm going to dive right in here. The things that keep us away from inner peace are our own minds, right? The way that our mind works is that the way that your consciousness works is that it really collects everything. It's very sticky, right? If you would kind of use that term, right? Anything that you come into contact with, it sticks to the mind in some way, shape or form. And that continues to be with you and affect your day-to-day life. It really affects every single part of your life, like your mindset, your perspective, the way that you perceive things, right? Your relationships, your interactions with others, the way that you treat yourself, like it affects everything, right? Your mind is your reality in some in some way, right? And so what prevents you from creating or feeling and experiencing inner peace is your mind, right? You can even say that I love to give this analogy, right? This ocean analogy, pardon the blur, you can't really see here. But anyways, at the top of the ocean, at the surface, you have your body, right? Like there's so many layers of you and your body and what you see around you is just the first layer, right? This is just the surface layer. And, and so that's at the surface and the deeper in you go, the deeper into your mind, into your consciousness, the closer and closer you get to yourself. And that we'll say is the bottom of this ocean. And actually this ocean doesn't have a bottom, it's infinite, right? And so you can imagine that you go deeper and deeper and you approach infinity, right? But in between, in between the surface and that infinite bottom is the mind. And the mind is this, this incredible instrument. Don't get me wrong, it's an incredible instrument, but it, if you don't know how to manage it and how to handle it, then it can hold you back in so many ways, right? Like there's so many things like little traumatic incidents as a child. And I say little and traumatic, they're kind of, um, they don't really go together, but you know, for a child, anything like an incident doesn't have to be massive for it to be traumatic, right? Like an embarrassment at school or, or, you know, coming, running out of class and like, nobody's there to pick you up. Like, you know, like any of these little things, like, I mean, we perceive them to be little, but any of these things can be traumatic and they can stay with you throughout your lifetime. And actually, there's actually a lot more of that when you go into the theory of karma and all of that. And it's not a theory, actually. Karma is real. If you dive into the way that it works, you start to to really understand that 
you know, everything that happens to happens for a reason. And it's, I actually finished saying earlier today to someone that we come into this lifetime with like a slate of things that we need to go through to learn and lessons, right? And, and these are our karmic lessons. That's why we find ourselves in, situ- in certain situations. We find ourselves with certain people that may be challenging and, and environments that really push our buttons. It's because we're, there's a lesson we need to learn, right? And we're not going to be free from that until we can move past that. Those are the karmic lessons. And, you know, beneath every lesson, there is an imprint in your consciousness. I feel like I'm kind of going all over the place to make my point here, but (laughs) there's an imprint in your consciousness. And once you can move through that outer situation, that inner situation also changes, right? And it's actually the other way around. Once you can overcome the inner situation, once you can address it and sit with it and release it, then everything that's happening on the surface will also kind of dissolve and move away, right? And that's kind of like, you can think of it as leveling up. You can, you kind of move to the next stage of your life, right? The next thing and the next thing. And that's kind of to bring it back to your question, how to create inner peace. Like that's the process, right? You have to address all of these blockages inside you, like in between the surface and the bottom of the ocean that are preventing you from experiencing that peace. Because this infinite depth down here, it is peace, right? Your nature is peace. But all of these things that have filled up our ocean are preventing us at the surface here from experiencing the depth of our being. 100%. I agree with all that. And Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for watching. Excuse me, but let's go back to karma because you did touch on that. And since a young age, I've been a believer in the idea of karma because it just to me, I mean, it doesn't always happen, I don't think, unfortunately, because there are a lot of people out there that deserve to get what they put out in the world, but they don't. They get away with it for years. So, but karma is just, I mean, it's one of the most ancient theories out there is that dharma and karma you get you get what you give basically and i've always tried to live my life a, a better way because of karma because i know i don't want it to come kick me in the ass in a couple of days but if i do something bad but what are your philosophies on karma like you obviously truly believe believe it exists but like what do you how effective do you think it is in this world so karma as i mentioned previously is not a theory it is it is the mo- I would even, how would I even put this? It's like, it's a law of the universe. And to really understand karma, you need to understand what life is, right? Life is not the space between birth and death, right? You, This space is a life, right? But when you look at karma, karma is this overarching journey of the soul, right? I mean, where you start from and, and where you end is not dependent on your lifetime, your single life. This lifetime, for example, me in this body does is not this entire journey of karma. In this journey, there are little, like you live thousands and thousands of lives, right? Like millions, actually, not just thousands, millions and millions of lifetimes you go through on this journey. And the journey is toward higher consciousness, right? It's a natural movement toward higher consciousness, right? Which is that infinite depth that we talked about. This is our nature, right? It's a journey to our true nature. And so karma is really just exactly as you said, right? Like what you put out comes back to you. Now, here's the interesting bit is that there, so if you think about, let me give you a practical, practical example. When I was young, I used to think about 
you know, it doesn't really seem fair that I was born in Canada and I was born in a nice house with a family, like parents and brothers and all the comforts and, and whatever, where some people are born in like mud huts, literally, or some people are born on the streets. Like some people don't have all of that. Some people are born in countries that don't have that or in countries where that's the norm. And so where is the justice, right? I used to think about these things and when I started to go down this path of yoga philosophy and, and all the things that they teach, I started to understand all of it. I started to understand the universal justice system. And the system is that whatever the state of your consciousness is at the end of one lifetime, that is what that determines your body, your situation, your parents, and your, you know, that curriculum I talked about. For your next lifetime right so karma is this overarching journey with multiple millions of lifetimes in it okay so this is actually very deep um knowledge very very deep knowledge that's not always are really shared that much so you know i'm really glad that you're all paying attention here um another thing that i will say that you mentioned that you kind of touched on is that you know um you know some people don't get don't they don't get the fruits of their actions, right? They behave in a, in a, what we would perceive to be a bad way or an evil way. And they don't get the repercu the repercussions they do. Right. But it's not always in a time frame that we can see. Right. So now that you have this understanding that karma is this overarching journey, you know that, OK, it, it might not manifest right away. But the thing with karma is if you think about different trees, right, you can have different seeds and some of them will sprout right away. And within months that you'll get fruit. Right. Like vegetables, like, you know, some of them you'll get fruit right away, whereas other trees they take their time to sprout, they take their time to grow, and when they're ready, it's not even every year, they'll give fruit, right? That is the same concept with karma. Different karmas, um, I'll touch back on your question. So different karmas, different fruits, right? Different seeds. So karma, karma actually means action, right? In Sanskrit, the word means action. So any action that you're doing is a karma, right? Like you are sitting here listening to this conversation and I'm sitting here speaking and this is my karma right and it's a karma that I'm doing and it's a karma that is a fruit of a previous karma right and so what I mean by that is that at some point this seed was planted you mentioned that we we planted this seed maybe months ago uh, and then you know it grew and it grew and it grew and now in September it has come to fruition into this podcast right into this recording and so it's kind of the same thing right any action that you put out into the universe it slowly grows and it and when the fruit is ready that's when it falls right and so this is also why some people are born and they have to go through things like sexual abuse or emotional abuse right some people go through all of these horrible horrible things and it is because at some point in their existence in their soul's life not just in their what 30 40 50 60 whatever years of, of life now they planted this seed and it is now coming to fruition they must experience those things and something that kind of goes on to this is that the things that happen around you they do not determine your inner experience of life, right? Like 
something can break my heart, but can do nothing to the person next to me, right? And that's because those emotions exist inside of me. It's not that the event that's occurring has created those emotions. No, the event is triggering those emotions and allowing them to come up. It's giving them the opportunity to come up. And so like that, the karma is stored inside of you in the form of a seed. Something happens and allows that fruit to fall, right? And to to happen. And there's a lot more to this. There's ways to erase your karma, change your karma. There's different types of karma, but there's like so much to understand. Like it would take a, a while to really go through. So let me address this question. Do you believe? Yeah. Well, okay. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. If you go, no, 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 go ahead. I was just going to do the same thing you were doing. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Do you believe people have a choice to live another life and it's their choice to come back? So. <clears throat> it depends on where you are in this cycle of karma right if you are done your karmas like if you have if you've lived through all of them and you are not accumulating more karma so think of it as a bank right like let's say you know in this bank account i have stored like so many things right so many good slash bad things that i have done in my lifetimes that i need to receive right so if i have received all of them then I'm done, right? Then I don't have to come back. Then I have the option. If I want to come back, I come back as a free being. This is what we call an enlightened person, right? A person that doesn't have any karma left. Whereas if you still have karma, then you must, you have no choice. You have to come back. And the way that it works is that, yes, as you live, you accumulate karma, but there are ways that, that you can live without accumulating karma. And, and, um, there's lots of things that you can do. And I don't necessarily want to get into that right now because I think it'll take a long time to go through. But um, this is something that, you know, you can follow up with me and we can talk about more. Yeah, well, as Waza asked, I actually was going to, you because everything you're saying to me made me think of reincarnation and the idea of it. And I mean, not everybody believes in reincarnation. I know that from doing the show alone and just from knowing people, but I always thought it was a possibility because... I just have heard so many stories of a little girl from India, a, a, a boy in the United States somewhere, and they've all had these sto famous stories where they knew parts of previous lives that they couldn't have known unless they lived that life. Like a four-year-old boy is not going to know the details of a World War II fighter jet or World War I fighter jet, whatever it was, but it's just going to, like those stories just to me make me believe. So are you saying that reincarnation is 100% real? Yes. Which, and as you said, like, because I've had other people tell me that they think, re that they know because they talk to spirits that when you pass, there's like a waiting room and you're basically sitting in a waiting room waiting to come back down. Like, almost waiting for your number to be pulled. Uh, I'm not too sure about the particulars of how that works. I mean, I don't, I don't think that the universe needs a waiting room. <laughs> I mean, of course, there's probably a, a time in between when you kind of find the net, your next body, your next set of parents, your next set of situations. Uh, and uh, I believe there's a rest period, right? I mean, in this lifetime, there is no rest. There's no real rest, right? Like you're constantly doing things. So you get so, so tired, right? And so there is a time for you to rest, but then you have to come back. You have to come back and finish those karmas. And 
something that I hear a lot of my clients say, a lot of people who consider themselves as old souls is that they're so, so tired. This is something that I myself experienced before I went through all of this is that, yeah, everything would tire me. Like everything felt like a chore, even eating. I'm like, oh my God, I have to go and chew so much. Then I have to sit and let my stomach digest and I have to clean this food. And then within a couple hours, I have to come back and like, you know, prep and cook and eat again. Like it's just everything is work, right? Something that even we consider to be pleasurable eating is also work. Like everything in this lifetime is work. So yes, you need that time to rest. And that's why people feel tired because they've been here so many times. They've done all these things. They've been there and done that. And it's like, okay, what is next? Like, when can I be free? When can I experience stillness and space? And when can I truly rest? That's what meditation is. Meditation is deep rest. Meditation is coming to the bottom of that ocean and, and resting, reposing there. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that does make sense. Because I mean, I'm one of those people who just always push off meditation, like, oh, I don't have time to really sit there. But I mean, lately, if I'm working on a podcast and I get stuck on something, I just sit there for a minute and I just think and think. And like, I that's kind of my own form of meditation, I guess. Because I mean, I just kind of rest for a minute and eventually something comes to my head and I start working again. But it's how I overcome the writer's block and all that, whatnot. But you touched on something. Well, first of all, I forgot to ask this in the beginning of the show. What got you into this line of work? Because when you said your early life, that's what made me think. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I never asked that question. Because I usually ask everybody, like, what got them into this world? Like this world of spirituality and paranormalness. I would say it was exactly that feeling, right? That feeling of like, oh, my God, is this all there is to life? Like, this is just miserable. Like, I am miserable. I remember feeling, you know, yeah, everything was work. Nobody heard really nobody heard what I was saying. I felt like I was unseen and unheard and like, like I wasn't making a difference in the world. And I wanted to do something impactful. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to change lives. And I really felt like being an engineer, that's what I was previously, um, being an engineer, I wouldn't be able to accomplish that. And so I actually didn't set out with the intention to you know, be here and teach others. I really wanted that freedom for myself. I wanted inner freedom for myself. And that's when I started practicing yoga. And when I quit my job, I committed to practicing every single day because it was the only thing that made sense to me. It was the only thing that made me feel like, okay, you know, the world is not burning down around me, even though I just quit this job that I spent forever looking for. And I finally got it. And I like, I chose to be unemployed. Even though it was so scary, I chose that because, because I knew that, you know, if I stayed in this job, there's no way that I could be happy. But if I don't, then there's a potential, right? This blank space doesn't have to be terrifying. It can also be a, a space full of potential and possibility. And so, you know, I, I started practicing yoga. I committed to my practice, not just like here and there. It was like an every day before I do anything else, I'm practicing yoga. And that started a snowball, right? I did a breathwork workshop. I was invited to stay at an ashram. I met an enlightened master who became my guru. I did my 200 hour yoga TTC. And at some point along that line, um, along that, in that journey, I realized how blessed I had been to experience that freedom to have met this master to who, 
completely changed my life like in every single way and I remember before I even met him I remember sitting in this meditation hall there's like thousands of people there and they're all straining to see this this man who was coming in and I had no idea what to expect I hadn't even heard of him at that point and all of a sudden it was like my heart just like cracked open and I felt like oh my goodness I'm home like this is the feeling that I have been searching for. Like I literally looked everywhere. You know, Western media, Western society will tell you so many different things. They'll tell you, okay, your job will make you happy. Academia will make you happy. Your family will make you happy. It may be drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever it may be. All of these things will bring you some sort of pleasure, some sort of long lasting pleasure. And it doesn't, right? It's momentary, but at the end, it's just misery, right? Like at the end, you feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. Or like, is this all there is? Or I need to do something, you know, there's some sort of mental pressure. And so, you know, having tried all of the things, I realized that there really is no, there's nothing in the world that can fill that void, that space in my heart. And when I met this master, actually, even before I met him, when I was just sitting there in that hall waiting for him to come in, I realized that this is a feeling that I had been looking for, that this was the home that I had been looking for. I felt like I had been searching for, you know, I'm not like 60 years old, but I felt like I had been searching for decades and decades and decades for this man, for this being to bring me home. And I felt like I could finally put down my bags and rest. And and at that moment, I, I just knew, right? I, I knew. And, and the more that I stayed on that path, the more that I practiced, the more that I, I do the things that, you know, that he tells me that he shares, you know, the practices and all the things I just realized how blessed I am to have been plucked out of the crowd and, you know, put into this place. And I realized that I need to give back. You know, there are so many people who are looking for this feeling, who are where I was, feeling that there is no point in life, like there's no point in doing what they're doing and everything is just like worthless, essentially. Like what is really the point, right? We get up, we go to work, we eat, we go back to sleep and we do it again and again. And again, right? <laughs> like this is really that motivation started me on this path and then meeting him and then realizing how blessed I'd been. I, I realized I have to give this back. I have to share what I learned. And so I started this company, Parms Yoga. And the goal of this company is really to share what, what I gained, right? To share that inner freedom, that inner peace, that that fulfillment in life and just the absolute security of knowing that I'm taken care of and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I am where I'm supposed to be. All of that. Wow. I mean, that story right there, it's just touching, touching. And and actually inspirational as could be because it just teaches people if you're not truly happy where you are, even if you're in some place great and you're, even if you're making good money, even if you have a job you love, if you're not truly happy with it, find something that makes you happy. I mean, that's kind of, that's why I started podcasting, honestly. It's because it made me, I wanted something that made me happy and I'd look for it for years and I just eventually got invited to be on a podcast and from there just blossomed and do my own shows. And I just finally found my purpose in life, kind of, I think at least. That could change tomorrow though, who knows? I mean, purposes can change in life, can they not? I think there are a lot of facets to it and there are a lot of different parts, but your one goal, I mean, if your goal is to 
to enlighten people, to raise them up, then that is the purpose, right? And the way that you do that can change. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you never know. I mean, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring necessarily, unless you truly can see the future. In which case, if you can, give me a call. I'll get you on my show. But because I'd love to talk to you. But what do you, because, th- well, all this talk about you can break free from, like, you can, you cracked your heart and, like, found what your purpose was. And how we do that to our mind, though? Like, how do we crack our mind open to the, because, I mean, they say what? We use, percent of our brain currently if not less we don't know what the rest of it really does yet mm-hmm. is there a way that is there a way with yoga that people can kind of like figure out what like what other parts of their brain actually do and actually release it yeah so i'm not too sure about that statistic um and about using other parts of your brain so approaching higher levels of consciousness what that really means is is cleaning out this i'm going to come back to this analogy over and over again right like this is a surface right this is where our body is and i would consider everything physical that you can interact with is at the surface of this ocean right and that includes your brain your food your environment your body whatever right all the things this is your core right this is your depth this is who you are and and so what yoga helps you do is go from up here and, and really dive into this ocean and approach and become who you are. And so, yeah, there are definitely things that prevent you from embodying that fullest version of you, right? And then actually there's one thing, and that one thing is your mind. If your mind is constantly busy, right? If it's constantly thinking about the future or the past, or it's worried about something, or it's fantasizing about something, or it's caught up in daydreams or whatever it is, right? That is preventing you from from living in your true potential, right? From living in the fullest expression of who you are. And so what yoga actually is, one of the ancient definitions is yoga chitta vritti nirodaha. Yoga is subduing the modulations of the mind, right? Modulations being the tendencies or the, the activities of the mind, right? So it's subduing those so that the self can shine through, right? When all of these layers in between, there's actually seven layers. They've been enumerated. So there's the body, the breath or the life force energy, the prana, the mind, the intellect, the memory, the ego, and then the self, right? So the self is this this bottom layer, right? This infinite layer, it's untouchable, right? It's So it's untouched by all of these things. It's timeless, it's beginningless, it's endless, it's infinite, right? That is yourself, that is you, right? And then all of these other layers that I mentioned, when they're out of harmony, that's when you don't feel like yourself, right? And if you're not in touch with this self at all, that's when you feel like you're just you're just existing you're not even living and so what the practice of yoga does is by uh, is by erasing all the things in between it allows you to connect with yourself right it co- with yourself your space self right that self at the core of who you are and it allows you to live in, in that right and, and there's a lot of things that come with that right not only do you become more grounded and more centered more stable you become happier you discover your purpose right you discover like the things that really bring you joy and what you want to do in this world what you want to create but it allows you to do that inner work right it creates inner peace it creates inner freedom stability like all of those things instability is caused by the mind right restlessness or laziness or heaviness or 
um, you know, feverishness, all of these things are in the mind. They're not your nature, right? And so when you start to recognize that, then you can start to embody who you really are. And, and that, I would say, is activating the rest of your brain, right, if you want to put it that way, because usually our abilities, our intuitive abilities are blocked by the mind. It's not just chemical. Of course, it it is, you know, things that you consume because food has energy too, right? Your food affects you. Think about alcohol. What does alcohol do to you? If you drink too much, what does it do? And the same is true for all foods, right? Certain foods will promote, you know, lightness and harmony and, and purity in your system where others will promote restlessness and feverish feverishness and anxiety and others will promote heaviness and and lethargy and like laziness right so you want to be very careful about what you put into your system as well and that's a whole other um you know there's so much information out there there's so much wisdom and knowledge on that as well so there there's really a lot and so by you know living this lifestyle right yoga is not just a practice it's a lifestyle a philosophy and a science by truly living that that's when you can start to to embody who you really are right to reconnect with i know we talk about you've mentioned many times like you have psychics and all of these people come on your shows these are just people who are more in touch with their intuition right and the way that you can get more in touch with your intuition is to start to live that lifestyle right start to really really live that lifestyle right in terms of food diet routine it's really the unsexy things that will help you get there right and that's you know, going to bed on time, it's eating the right things at the right time, um, you know, doing the practices, clear, doing that inner work, it's all of that. You basically were saying, like, to do this, you need to break free from society and the pressures they put on you. And all of like, you know, you got to break free from your job and your boss telling you, you have to have this done by then, this done by then. Your family want you to go to all these obligations and want you to do this and do that with this person. I mean, how do you break free from all that? Like, what's the best way to escape society? This is a really good question. So <clears throat> I would say it's definitely not about running away. It's about skillfully maneuvering the situation, right? The reason that we feel bogged down by these things, it's because of our minds, right? Stress is just your mind's inability to handle your situation, it's not that the situation actually is unmanageable. It is just your mind's inability to, to manage that situation. And so by working on your mind and your awareness, you can skillfully move through a situation, right? And that, that's really all it is. I mean, I'm going to give you a really concrete example. When I first graduated university, I took a year off, right? This was before I found that job and before I quit, before I went on this journey. I took a year off. I went to South America. You can imagine that my parents were not the most thrilled about letting their only daughter go to South America where she didn't know anyone and didn't speak the language yep. or the culture and all of that stuff. So I just went anyways, right? I had two options at that point. I could have listened to them and thought, okay, well, my parents really don't want this and like, you know, take all that stress and pressure from like, from my parents and my friends and, you know, university and all that to find a job or to go into academia or to do all the, those things. Or I could have listened to what I wanted and taken that space and that time for myself. And I chose me. And, and I really think that that is part of it. You have to choose yourself over and over and over again. You have to choose yourself and you have to tell yourself that this is okay, right? Like I need to fill my cup 
before I can fill other people's cups, right? It's just like in an airplane, right? You put your own mask on and then you can help others. Otherwise, how long will you be able to help them, right? I love and that so, saying. I love that yeah, saying. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you you can't keep just doing everything for everybody else. You have to truly let yourself be happy first and be satisfied. Then you can start helping other people if you're able. Which, mm -hmm. I mean, and I'll, don't ever go outside your means to try to help someone unless you really can do it. Because, I mean, I've been there and it's not fun when you screw yourself over just to help make someone else move further on. Like, it's not fun. It'll just bring you down more in the end. But a little bit of warning there for people. But I did want to touch on it because you did say a little bit ago that you can erase karma, which I've never heard of that possibility. And that's just been in my head since then. Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want to dive super, super deep into it, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Okay. So there are three types of karma and I forget the Sanskrit. Actually, I know that I, I know the names, but there are three types of karma that classify your karma based on the stage at where it is. Right. So if you remember, I talked a little bit about this analogy, the seed analogy, right? When you do an action, it plants a seed. At some point, the seed will grow and at some point it will bear fruit. Right. And so I like to think of these three stages as as this. Right. First is the seed stage. Next is when it's growing. And the next is when it's ready to to come when the fruit is ready. Right. When the fruit is ready, that means the action bring it comes back to you. Right. It comes back to you and it's ready to I don't know, to be eaten, I guess. <laughs> so if it's at the stage of a fruit, if this fruit is ready to fall, right? If your karma is ready, it's, it's already coming back to you. There's nothing you can do about it. You have to go through it. But if it's at any of the other two stages, if it's just a seed or if it's just still growing, you, you can get rid of it, right? You can erase it. And if you are acting with full awareness at all times, you are no longer collecting karma, right? And then this, it has a lot to do with your intention, right? Like if you're, if I'm choosing to do something, right? Like with full awareness, then it's not necessarily, I'm not going to say it's not entirely, but it's not necessarily collecting karma, right? Like I mentioned earlier, you're collecting karma at all, at all times, right? At all times, everything that you do is planting some seed somewhere and it's going to come to fruition at some point. And karma is not only bad things, it's also good things, right? Good things that come to you are also your karma, right? You've earned that karma. Same with bad things. You have earned the bad things that come to you. They're not just random occurrences in time and space. They, <laughs> they come for a reason and they come at a yes. specific time. So the way that you can really start to erase this is with spiritual practices. So... The practices that I do, they're yoga, it's breath work, it's meditation, right? And then what are you actually doing in meditation? So I mentioned also this also earlier on is that, you know, with meditation, you go from the surface and you're diving down into that ocean of who you are and reconnecting with that infinite self at the bottom there, right? In between, you have to go through your mind. Your karma is stored as information in your mind. You can think about it in that way. And so as you go down, you have to face your karmas, right? You cannot have deep meditations if you have a ton of things that your mind is always doing, right? Like that's also your, the state of your mind is also your karma, right? Everything is karma. I'm just going <laughs> to, everything is karma. So 
if your mind is silent and still and peaceful and calm and centered, you're, you, you most definitely have deep meditations, right? Like, I mean, if it's not, if it's busy all the time, you're probably stuck at the stage where you're trying to meditate, but it's like, it's like a highway. There's just so much going on that you can't take a step in, right? As you start to work through that, you'll start to notice in your life that things start to happen, things start to change. And that's, and things start to change in your inner reality too. And that's actually you working through your karmas. And so even by just existing, you, your karma is being worked through. But the difference is that you're also collecting karma. So you're adding to the bank at the same time as you know things are coming out of the bank. And so to speed up the burning process, the burning of old karmas, you know, you do things like yoga, you do breath work, you do meditation, you can do chanting, you can do um, other spiritual practices. I don't do everything, right? You have to, you choose one thing and you do that one thing very, very well, right? And, and, and that is, that is what will take you really, really deep. And, and by going deep, right, you're erasing your karmas, right? Because as you can imagine, the deeper you go, the deeper things that you'll hit. As you work through them, that's actually you erasing your karma. That's literally what it is. So that inner work that you're doing is you erasing your karma. So yoga, breath work, makes meditation. It, makes sense. Makes sense. And you keep, now you keep saying breath work and I, I feel like I know what it is, but no one has ever really sat there and explained breath work to me. Like it's, I mean, it may be as simple as it sounds. I don't, I don't think it would be, but it, like, is breath work actually a complicated thing or is it literally just like focusing on how you're breathing? So there are definitely techniques. You know, I wouldn't just go on the internet and choose any technique and just do it, right? <laughs> um, there are simple ones that you can, for like alternate nostril, you know, even count breaths in, even count breaths out. But like, again, I wouldn't just go online and pick any random thing. Like, it's definitely more powerful when you learn from someone who's established in the practice, just because you're getting like their energy as well, right? Like, I mentioned this. Um, also earlier today, I was talking about this, that yoga is transmitted, it's not taught, right? And when I say yoga, I don't just mean the physical practice. I mean, so yoga comes from the root word yuj, which is union, right? And that is the union of all of these layers, right? The body, the breath, and the mind, all of this would be the mind. When they come into union, that self shines through. So that's what yoga is, right? And so you want to learn any of those practices from someone who's established in that truth. Otherwise, like, what are you even learning, right? Like you can only, like I can only give what I have, right? If I have five Skittles, I can only give you five Skittles, right? And if someone doesn't have any, then they cannot pretend to give you anything. So what breathwork is, is you're working with your life force energy, right? So in Sanskrit, it's called pranayam, pranayam. Prana is your life force energy, right? And this was the second layer, if you remember I mentioned, is, is your energy layer, your breath, it's actually your prana. Right. And it's actually your life force energy. Right. So beyond your body, that's where your prana moves and your your body actually has thousands and thousands of energy channels called nadis. This is where the energy moves. And if there are blockages, right, that's when you start to feel stiffness either in the body or in the mind. Right. These are all blockages in prana. The prana is not flowing. So you feel stiffness. Right. Some people have really tight hips or shoulders. Some people's shoulders are up here. Right. And that's a blockage. Right. That's stress. Is stress, it's toxins stored in your energy channels. When you do breath work, when you do all of these techniques, you start to move that energy, right? When you do it right, you start to move that energy, you start to do that inner work, 
you start to release those toxins, right? And then those toxins is actually a little, it, it's simple, but also complicated <laughs> because those toxins also define your karma, right? Like if you have, if you have, if you're storing a trauma somewhere in your body, it shows up in that way, right? It shows up as stiffness in your body, in your mind, but it is also karma because that stiffness is going to make you behave in a certain way that's going to make your your surroundings reflect something towards you, right? If you're mean to someone, they're going to be mean right back to you. And if that hurts you, you're going to store it in your system. That's going to make you be mean to the next person who's also going to be mean to you and you're going to store that again. You see how that's kind of a vicious cycle? That's kind of what karma is right it it's all it's very simple but it's also very complex you know I don't try to understand or explain entirely and I don't think that anybody can it's very very complex but that's what breath work is when you when you properly do the practices you start to move those energies you start to open up your body you become more flexible that's the physical uh, benefit but the inner but the real benefit is that you're freeing yourself right you're calming your mind you're bringing your mind to stillness and you're moving deeper into that space of your consciousness reconnecting with who you are yes 100 percent. and it's kind of funny because what you just described is like the chain of yelling from how i met your mother but that's exactly what made me think of is uh, the episode of that show where Neil Patrick Harris describes that chain. But wow, did I just lose my? I oh, don't know. God damn it! I just lost my. I was gonna ask. <laughs> oh, right. So you mentioned it that there are. So I had someone on here a couple weeks ago who she actually is like a guide to psychic services because she can identify. She helps people identify like what's a fake psychic who's just trying to rip you off and what's a real psychic who can help you so is there the same difference in yoga instructors like are there ones that are just there to take your money and rip you off versus actually teach you mm, so i like to believe maybe it's naive but i like to believe that everyone has a good intention that everyone is good at their very core and they but as i said earlier everyone anyone can only give what they have right and so if that inner space is not clean and pure then what they're transmitting is not clean and pure right i do believe that people set out with the intention to help people but of course there are also others who just set out like they just want to do it because they like it right like the intention makes all the difference right if you set out to teach yoga with the intention to help people lose weight like that is a different energy than if I'm setting out with the intention to help bring you inner peace, right? Like that is very, very different. And so that's going to be reflected in my practice. And so in terms of identifying like what fits for you, what works for you, what resonates for you, it's really about your inner experience, right? And I don't like to go online and, and because everyone is going to have a different experience, a different opinion based on their inner reality, right? Remember your mindset defines your perspective and your perception of things, I like to go and experience it myself. And when I when I do that, I can make the decision for myself, like, okay, yes, this resonated with me. This made me feel better than I felt before. Or no, you know, I don't really like this. I'm gonna try something else. So it's really about, you know, trusting that inner voice. And, it, and, and you know what? It can definitely change because I started out with commercial yoga. I started out with hot yoga in Canada. It's called Moksha Yoga. I think they changed their name to Moto Yoga. Um, I also started out, there was an instructor who taught at my campus, you know, but 
at some point I felt that this practice had taken me as far as it could take me. And so I went out and I started practicing on my own, right? I started to, you know, move on my own and start to discover the messages that my body had for me, right? Like my particular like tensions and tightnesses in my body, the areas that I needed to work on. So yeah, I mean, it's good to go out and try things and experiment and it's okay to let them go, right? Like if one thing doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't mean that the entire practice won't resonate with you, right? Like there are a ton of different instructors that you can try. And Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I mean, so basically what you're saying is that people can identify, you have to do it to really figure out what the what they can give you. You can't just go by their word always. Yeah. So uh, one thing I want to add to that is that I know there's a lot of talk about like fake gurus and things like that. And again, that is a feeling, right? Someone can claim to be enlightened, but you will know based on how you feel with that person. So like I mentioned in my story, like when I met this man, like before I had even met him, I felt that feeling inside me like, oh my goodness, I have been searching for this for lifetimes. I'm not going anywhere. Like this is what I'm searching for. And I know that this is what I'm searching for, right? You're going to have these types of feelings. You're just going to know, right? You're going to know. And, and that's what you need to trust. Not the reviews online, not everyone else's opinion, but your opinion, right? Your experience. Exactly. I mean, sometimes we go into our situations ourselves. We can't rely on others to do it. Same, same as when I go, when I go to a restaurant, my wife wants to look at all the reviews online first. I'm like, let's just go and experience it. You don't, you can't go by what they're saying online. Like people like to make dramatic stories online just for, to get attention. Like that's the way it is. But all right. Got, I think I got one more question and then now probably wrap us up closer an hour at that point. But where do you think spirituality plays a role in science? Like, cause I, I like to bring science into a lot of different paranormal aspects because science is a big thing to me. Like I've always been scientifically minded like that's always the way i worked i i'm an, i'm an agnostic because i can't i'm too I, there's no science to like gods to me so i gotta try to think about everything that way i'm know. actually so so happy that you asked this question because this is like this is what breathes life into my soul <laughs> i am a trained nanotechnology engineer so what we studied was all very, very deep physics and science, very heavy science, right? Like I did research in multiple different labs. I studied all the, like I have a degree in nanotechnology engineering and I worked in that as well. So, you know, going into this realm of spirituality, you can imagine my intellect was like, mm, you know, very careful with all of the concepts, very, very careful. But the more that I learned about it, the more that I saw that it is scientific. It is so scientific. Like, more so than actual science. Okay, now I'm going to explain that to you before you bite my head off. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that we really covered in my field was quantum mechanics, right? Because nanotechnology is what? It's a study of materials at the atomic scale. And so to really engineer something, you need to understand how it works from the, from the ground up, right? So what we learned is that matter doesn't actually exist right like this phone if i was to take a microscope and like zoom way way in and look at the atoms and even go even further what i will find is that there's nothing there 
right? Nothing, absolutely nothing. It's just energy. And to give you a concrete example, you can Google um, the double slit experiment. And what they do in a nutshell, what they do in this experiment is they, they have two slits and then they have a wall at the side, right? And they throw, they're throwing a laser or an electron beam kind of the same thing but so let's say let's go with the example of uh, of an electron beam so throwing an electron beam at this at these two slits right and what they find is that on the other side they have a pattern a refraction pattern on the wall so let me explain that a little bit what you would expect is that because there's only two slits you have two two lines right of electrons or of light whatever the two are interchangeable However, there was a there were different patterns, right? And so this is your wave particle duality, right? We expect it to be a particle. We're throwing a particle, particles multiple at these two slits, and somehow we're getting a, a pattern across this wall. And so what that tells you is that it, it it switches between being a particle and being a wave. It's, so it's a duality. And when you really look at it, I remember my quantum mechanics class, like he spent this whole class deriving the equation of an electron. And the conclusion we came to is that it is not really there, right? It's just energy, right? It's just this wave packet that moves in space like this. That's it. It just moves back and forth, right? And these different energies are just, you know, they're different. Either they have higher energies or, you know, different materials are just different combinations of these building blocks of nature okay so that's what science tells us science tells us that fundamentally nothing exists right it's all just energy spirituality yeah. if you go in the correct direction will tell you the exact same thing <clears throat> i've been reading this uh scripture it's called a yoga vasishta right it's a talk essentially it's a it's a talk that was given thousands of years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, by a sage named Vasishta on yoga, right? On this union. And what he's been saying from the beginning, like every single page says it in different ways is that nothing really exists. It's an illusion, right? And it's, a, it's an appearance. And so the conclusion is that everything is energy, right? And, and so if you learn, if you go into it deeper, right? There are different, so the Vedas are four texts right in the hindu tradition there are four texts called the vedas and in there there's like just so much knowledge so much wisdom like they've actually broken it down into so many smaller kind of chap like they're just there's so much knowledge in there it's impossible to go through in one lifetime but what you start to really dive into is that like it's so scientific the way that it works even god you can consider god to be a frequency the only thing that really exists is consciousness and consciousness is what consciousness is either it's an energy right it's just it within that consciousness there are these energies right and you can consider god to be this universal frequency that exists everywhere and everything else to be these smaller frequencies or, or different frequencies i don't want to say smaller but different frequencies where god can be like the canvas for this painting of life right <laughs> It, that's really all it all it is right the canvas on which this play happens so the deeper that you go into science into quantum mechanics what you'll find is that you know it, it starts to approach the realm of spirituality the concepts that come up in science are the exact same and a mature science will approach approach the concepts that are laid out in spirituality it really 
I don't want to say it, you know, it proves it. I would actually put it the other way around. Like spirituality is a very, very mature understanding of the universe, right? Like I know there's a lot of woo-woo stuff going on right now, but like if you go into like the deep, real spirituality, it's so grounded. Like I wouldn't look at people who first of all you have to be super careful with who you talk about who you talk with because different people will tell you different things but if you're getting information from a source that is grounded in this wisdom like I said you can only give what you have then you'll know that you know you're on the right path right so science and spirituality science is approaching spirituality you know it's like that curve that just gets closer and closer and closer right? That's what it is. The more that science matures, you'll start to see that it's, it's saying the exact same things that spirituality is saying. There was actually a really beautiful, um, I don't remember it exactly, because it's, it, it, it was part of a course that I did, the sacred geometry course, where they just, it's interesting, because I thought I was going in for a spiritual course, but actually, it was full of, like, science and mathematics, and there was, like, this tiny portion of spirituality. By the way, by the way, this is how this corresponds to this, and this old story that we think is mythology, well, here are all of the concepts in that mythological story. Like, this is where they come from, right? This is what it actually means. And even, like, things that we consider to be different deities, right? Different, They're just different energies. They're energies that are different frequency, right? Like, that's all it is. Right? Yeah. If you look at it in the scientific perspective, I mean, it doesn't have to be like this. Like, you don't have to be crazy if you talk about God. You can just be a normal person, grounded in science and spirituality. I mean, yeah, I I get that. I'm slow. I'm slowly coming to realize that the more people I talk to, I, I'm slowly coming to realize that maybe I do believe there's something out there that's a higher power of some kind. I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to be. I like to say it's freaking Odin or Zeus or something. I would, but because they have they have really cool stories and really disturbing stories in some points. But hundred percent, hundred percent, I would like to say it's something like that. But I'm still my I'm still my path of self discovery for spiritual awakening here. So it's it takes time. It takes time. But I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of different things, and certain parts of each thing clicks with me and makes me want to believe more and more. But but I. Wow, this this whole conversation has been so enlightening. It's been amazing because I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone who really does yoga or breath work or any of that type of stuff yet, and that's why I wanted to get you on the show because I was like, that's something different I haven't had yet. So I definitely would love, can't wait we can't wait for people to hear this episode in the podcast version. And thank you to all those who watched. Definitely, it, it, we actually had a good amount of watchers today, and I'm very happy about that. Thank you, Parapost Network. But where can people find you if they want to? I mean, do you offer remote classes over Zoom or no? Mm -hmm. So the way that I do it, so I've moved away from individual classes and I've moved into this coaching space. I also have online courses. So for anyone who wants to work with me, who wants to really dive deeper into this realm, then you can find me at parmsyoga.com. That's P-A-R-M-S yoga.com. That's also my handle on Instagram. I'm super, super active on Instagram. You can ask me questions. You can go through my content there. I post a ton of stuff. I've tried to incorporate a lot of what I say into those posts, but you know, Instagram is like super short form content. So it's hard to dive deep, like, like we did here on, on those types of posts, but definitely subscribe to my newsletter and, and find me there. And I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. So for people who want purpose, who want that deeper meaning, like that's, I'll work with you one-on-one. -on -one. 
And once or twice a year, I launch my course, which is kind of the same thing, but in a group environment, super, like super high energy and um, transformative. Absolutely. I've seen, I've been watching it. So it's amazing. Perfect. I urge everyone to go check it out. And I will put the links in the show notes for sure so that everybody can just click on a link to get there. So awesome. Definitely we'll do definitely we'll do that. Oh and and, all my sorry, just to ahead, kind go, of <laughs> oh, go ahead. um so actually the link that I sent you in the show notes, that one you can actually leave in there. The one for the free yoga class. So that class is 30 minutes, it's pre-recorded, it's free, and it includes all the things that I mentioned. So the the breath work, the meditation, and the yoga postures. So you can kind of get a taste of what to expect in in the coaching that i offer and, and the, the services i offer okay i'll be sure to include that as well definitely as all my listeners know you can find me on facebook under the paranormal the new normal slash maniacal music musings podcast facebook group and we are now on twitter as the handles that juggalo bastard but it's called the same thing as the facebook group basically and you could find us on TikTok as Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you could find Paranormal the Normal on YouTube. All my videos are uploaded there eventually. Most of them are on there at this point, except for the last few. But they'll be up there shortly this weekend. So please check them out. Watch the videos because I'm telling you, they're a lot more interesting when you can see, see the faces of the people when they're talking. It's a lot more interesting. So 100%. But Parm, thank you for coming on. It's been an honor having you on. I will gladly say that. And we'll catch you next. I will, well, listeners, catch me next time. And please check out her website and everything if you're interested in her services because she offers some good stuff, I have a feeling. <laughs>